I don't know what the fuck this movie is about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Portress, and it's been a hot second, but uh, I'm back, man. I'm back. I got a lot of stuff to talk about, and I mean a lot of stuff to talk about. Now, I do, first and foremost, want to say thank you very much to all the people that support on Patreon.com slash the Film Find. Uh, if you are a member of that, then you understand what a big deal this is because I just went through 31 days of Halloween horror every single day for the month of October. I released a uh, five-minute review uh, talking about this, that, and sometimes the other. Uh, and it didn't always go as expected, I think, for some people because uh, it's like, hey, here's the thing that he's talking about that he likes. Uh-oh, here's the thing that he's talking about that he doesn't like. So... Uh, if you'd like to check that out and all the other things uh, that uh, hopefully will be uh, continuing on in that fashion, it was nice to get a break. I'll be honest with you, very nice to get a break from having to do that every single day, but I'm not going to lie to you, I kind of miss it a little bit. <laughs> There's a piece that always kind of just like you do feel like you've accomplished something that day, so... Um, I don't want to say, uh, you know, I'm going to go daily by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to promise you that I will not go daily. So uh, whatever you do, don't support me over on the uh, patreon.com slash the film vine because we won't do dailies. It just won't happen. So, 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 so stop crying about it. It just won't happen. Uh, but I will say this, man. I have watched a lot of movies. Because you know what I do around here? I watch all the movies. There was an old saying that we had. Uh, we didn't keep it around too awful long because certainly got annoying <laughs> but it's very much the case here of a uh, hashtag we watch everything and uh I, I i'm gonna kind of continue on that on that fact because uh we've got a lot of movies for you today uh i have been seeing movies while we had a little tiny break there trust me outside of i mean like even with the uh the film find fives uh, there's still a lot of material that I was making, and I was still watching a lot of movies. So uh, we've got a lot of movies for review today. So I'm not going to do what you've been watching as per usual. And I'll be honest, uh, hopefully guys will have some people in as guests, okay? Because I know that some of you are just like, oh, shit, and no one else is talking. Adam's the only one there. That means it's going to be a solo Adam show. But don't worry. I'll tell you this much. Never, you won't find anywhere. And you can look. Look and scour the internet. Scour the internet. Fine-tooth comb. Which, by the way, with that fine-tooth comb and scouring and all that stuff, I just found out today that one of the uh, the, the dudes... Uh, you remember um, Spaceballs? I'm sure everybody's going to be like, everybody fucking knew this, you idiot. And you're probably right. But uh, in Spaceballs, when they're, when they're combing the desert there and everything, and it just goes, what have you found? Hey, man, we ain't find shit. 
Turns out that's Tuvok from Star Trek Voyager, Tim Russ, who was also in Star Trek Six, I believe. Not as the same character, of course. He's a nerd. You're right. Uh, but I just found that out. I don't know why. But scour the internet just like Tim Russ. You can scour the internet like he scoured the desert, and you will not find a more eclectic group of reviews on any podcast ever. Uh, this week, at least. <laughs> uh so here's what I'm going to be covering today, okay? There's stuff that's a little bit older uh, and a little bit newer and, 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 and way older, but we'll talk about all that as we do. Uh, but the movies today, and they're, like I said, varying qualities, varying different types of movies. Uh, first of all, we're going to be reviewing Nobody's Fool. That's right, the new one from Tyler Perry that you didn't know that yeah, you, you probably were like, oh... No, thank you. I saw a trailer, and I'll tell you whether or not that was a smart decision. Uh, then we're also going to be talking, staying in the comedy realm, we're going to go over and do a little Johnny English 3. That's right, they made another Johnny English movie. No one saw it but me, so I'm going to be talking to you about that. Another one that has uh, gotten a lot of uh, eyebrows raised uh, in, in many a different way uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the new uh, biopic, and uh, about uh, we can say it's about Freddie Mercury, I guess, because the rest of Queen is and they're there, but we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, so we'll talk about Bohemian Rhapsody and whether or not someone deserves an Oscar, because that's the word on the street that I've been hearing, and I I, I don't know if I can talk about that. Anywho, then we're gonna move on, and I'm thinking I don't know if the order I'm gonna do these last two. It all kind of uh, depends on how I feel. Uh, but the last movies we're going to be talking about are uh, Suspiria, the new one and the remake. So I got a, I got a chance actually to see the original Suspiria on the big screen. I'm going to talk about that experience. I'm going to talk about my history uh, with Suspiria. It is limited, but I will talk about it nevertheless. And uh, we're going to talk about the new one. Uh, I got a chance to see that. It's not playing at a ton of theaters here in Charlotte. I think there's only two theaters that are actually playing it. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about Suspiria, uh, the Suspirias, if you will, because they're both they're both just entitled Suspiria. Is it a sequel? Is it a remake? Is it just a convoluted? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it then. And of course, the movie that I've kind of want to been uh, want to been talking about. Hmm, that was a that was fucking English. Uh, the movie that I'm really interested in, I'm pretty sure we're going to wrap this all up with this one, is a review of the writing and directing debut of one Jonah Hill entitled Mid-90s. So as you can see, we're jam-packed, chock-a-block full of movie reviews today. Uh, so no need for what you've been watching because uh, this is what I've been watching. <laughs> a lot of a lot of stuff. So um, let's get on into it, man. I figure why... why uh, why put it off any longer? Uh, here is the trailer for Nobody's Fool. If I close this deal, I'll be the first black woman to be a VP in the company. Hi, Mom. Hey, darling. Listen, it's your sister. She's getting out. If you could pick her up, I'd appreciate it. What time? What time, honey? It's jail. You get there when you can, like the song said. Hey, girl. Shake this ass. Can we go to the club? Ooh, this is nice. They don't smell like roaches in here or nothing. How you get sparkles in the back of an animal? What is this, a care bear? I need a job. Why don't you just work here? 
Good to be true. If the man looks too good to be true, he is. You're being catfished. So the dude ain't real? No, the dude ain't real. He could be anybody. We need to go and find this son of a bitch who catfished me. And we gonna tear his ass up. This should be good. Like that. I'm just Is she serious? Girl, I got his address. We gonna do this tonight. We're gonna need a saw, some plastic, burner phone. I gotta go to the bathroom. That's good. You need to go ahead and let all the liquids out because you don't wanna leave no DNA. You're not helping. Every time you try to kill a man, you're gonna squirt a little pee. I know that for sure. <laughs> Mama, it's Tanya. Who? It's Tanya. Oh no, Tanya no here. Mama, I know it's you. This connection is so rickety. Hello? What? Mama, you in the window. I'm sorry, what? We not on no cell phone, Mama. I, I can't hear you, baby. I can't hear. Oh my. Mama. Alrighty, that was the trailer for Nobody's Fool. First new release review of the week. Here's the IMDb plotline. As we know, IMDb always 100% correct in everything they say and or do. A woman is released from prison and reunites with her sister. She soon discovers that her sister is an, in an online relationship with a man who may not be what it seems. This is written and directed by Tyler Perry. That's right. This is a Tyler Perry joint, everybody. Uh, starring Tika Sumter, Tiffany Hatch. Uh, you got Missy Pyle, Whoopi Goldberg, Omari ha- uh, Hardwick, and more. Um, here's the thing, man. <clears throat> when you say the name Tyler Perry, a lot of things come to mind. Uh, genius. No, that's not true. <laughs> uh, but here's the here's the deal, man. This is um, the second film that. Uh, Big yeah, second film Tyler Perry's done this year. The first one was Acrimony. Uh, for those of you that listened back to the show, that's right. I've reviewed several Tyler Perry movies on this show. Uh, I, I thought Acrimony was okay. There's a lot. There's a lot of about it that's not very good. Uh, and I'll say this: um, Nobody's Fool is actually a little bit better. It's kind of fun. It is. It's an R-rated comedy and everything, so you do have to kind of keep that in mind. And I think that actually helps this. I think if this was a PG-13 movie, um, I I don't want to say that like you know dirty jokes and language and stuff are what make this film this film because that's not really true. But I think if you just PG-13'd it, it would have made this already. What's kind of let's be honest here. It's a little you know plain uh, rom-com type sort of deal um, and brings it up to another level uh, and, and not in a fantastic way but okay let's talk about this Tiffany Haddish Tiffany Haddish is is uh, kind of the female counterpart uh, of of Kevin Hart now she did a movie earlier this year with Kevin Hart that is actually still in theaters right now so two Tiffany Haddish uh, movies in theaters right now boy that's a that's a that's kind of a cool thing, right? <laughs> For anybody to have, uh, much less you know a, a black actress having you know two films of which she's starring in. 
uh, be out in theaters at the same time. That's kind of a cool idea. Uh, but she is very much going on the Kevin Hart path in as much as she's a funny comedian uh, who is Let's be frank, and, and, and this is kind of like it's a slight, but it's not that big of a slight, okay? They're playing themselves. They're playing or or versions of the same characters that they've kind of always played. So when you go to see a Kevin Hart film, you're like, I'm going to go see Kevin Hart in a Kevin Hart movie. You don't go, Kevin Hart is going to give me the dramatic performance that I need. And here's the thing. The Rock is the same way. There, I mean, there are several guys and, and ladies out there when they're making a movie, that's exactly what you're expecting going in, and that's exactly what they give you. Now, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. I think it'll be a good thing eventually, because when these people eventually give us you know, a really solid, dramatic performance, it will happen at some point. You watch. Uh, I think we'll be even more so impressed. Uh, but Tiffany Haddish is, is doing that same thing right now that, um, that Kevin Hart is doing, and it's called Riding That Train. Riding that train to successville because let's be honest, and I who can blame them? I certainly can. I would be uh, like all all of these cats right now, especially like some of these younger ones, and I know they're not that young, but you get what I'm saying here. Um, they are striking why the iron is hot, man. They're doing as many movies as they possibly can. They're cashing those paychecks, and frankly, I can't say I blame them. Uh, because you know, let's be honest, man. Uh, being a star and everything, that stuff is fleeting. It's going to go away at some point. So, you know, strike why the iron's hot, man. And here's the thing. If you choose pretty decent material and you do a lot of pretty decent material, it can't all be, you know, knocking it out of the park every single time. But if you do enough, you know, decent material, you cash enough paychecks, eh, you'll be okay, I think. But, so let's talk about this movie. As you heard in the trailer there, uh, you know, we've got one character. She's, of course... As we see in a lot of Tyler Perry movies, Tyler Perry likes focusing. Now, I, I listen. I don't really watch the Medea movies. <laughs> I, I I saw uh, uh, the Boo Medea movie, the first one. Uh, did not enjoy it. It was uh, garbage. Which, by the way, Tyler Perry says he's only going to be doing one more Medea role, and then he's retiring the character. I think it should have been retired back in 1968 when Flip Wilson did it. Uh, but no, but look, Flip Wilson was fine too. Uh, but here's the deal: the, the the movies that Tyler Perry makes over for the the Medea movies and things like that, uh, they're pretty low on the totem pole. They don't do a whole lot. They're not super high budget or anything. And the nice part about like this movie and Acrimony, stuff that's not the, you know, the the quote unquote Tyler Perry brand, if you will, they have a lot, uh, they clearly get a bigger budget. <laughs> they get a bigger budget. Things look good. People are better actors. Uh, it goes to show, and Tyler Perry's not playing 15 roles. So, I, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this movie for what it was. And here's the thing, man. I get, I got out of this thing, and I'm looking at everyone, and, and they go, uh, so what do you think about Nobody's Fool? And I go, okay, get this. It's actually decent. It's actually decent. Uh, there's some. There's a lot of fun laughs in here. Um, Tiffany Haddish is, again, a little bit over the top, a little bit scenery chewing and everything. But if you go with that same kind of, I mean, you could again, you can say the exact same thing about Kevin Hart. Uh, and we like and we like that, and we like it here too. Honestly, uh, she plays like you know the the I've just got out of prison. She's that dastardly friend who uh, you know is always kind of a little bit up to no good. They have they have some good intentions and stuff, uh, but they always are kind of saying the inappropriate thing at the inappropriate time and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, 
But so our main character, she's like super high and 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 falutin and everything, as as a lot of Tyler Perry characters are in this one of the thing. And I I can't blame them because we don't see a lot of uh uh, successful black people in movies, it's usually, you know, that they, they, they tend to be put on the other side of the scale, which is silly. But, uh, you know, this, this lady, she's doing a great job. Her sister gets out of jail, and she's got to go and kind of help rehabilitate her because her mom won't, and her mom's played by Whoopi Goldberg. And I have a lot of problems with Whoopi Goldberg as a person but because <laughs> I think she's a loon. Uh, but every now and then, man, Whoopi can go and like she can pop into something and let you know why she's an actress, man. She's really good. Now, now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Whoopi Goldberg's act is she's called on to really act in this movie because she's not. But she does deliver a lot of cool little, you know, her little performances are fine. She's a weed smoking grandma, uh, which, by the way, there's so much weed talk in a lot of uh, Tyler Perry movies that I really think Tyler Perry smokes weed. Because uh, there's enough, there's enough clues. I've seen enough Tyler Perry movies at this point to know that it's n- like a lot of the jokes, specifically to me, don't sound like somebody uh, who doesn't know about marijuana. Just kind of having those thoughts and stuff, and going like, hey, "These would be jokes." You can always tell someone who doesn't smoke pot writing pot jokes because like none of them really click or make sense or just you know. But Tyler Perry seems to <laughs> write a lot of pot jokes that kind of <laughs> that kind of hit home correctly. So I think Tyler Perry smokes weed. Put that on his uh, IMDb, everybody. Um, here's the thing. So, and of course, she's got uh, this advertising thing that she needs to get going and all that stuff, but she can't because sister's crazy. And her sister's like, hey, you're being catfished. You heard the trailer. It's pretty much what the trailer is. But I will say this, though. So I'm not, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because, frankly, we're breaking down nobody's fool. There's no real reason to do it. I am the fool for having uh, to break this down for more than, you know, 20 minutes. But I'll say this. There's enough laughs and everything to really justify it. And uh, there is a cameo. There's a cameo in this that had me laughing my balls off. It comes around in the second act and everything. It's not, thank God. God, they did not put it in the trailers. Because if they put it in the trailers, it really would have been ruined. And uh, I think they did a great job with this. But here's the deal. I saw this at a fairly early screening at my work. And uh, there were a lot of people in... Well, I don't know say a lot of people. There was a lot of people for a 12, you know, 12 o'clock in the, in the day screening. And everybody liked it. Everybody had a good time. This thing is very funny. It's very... Uh, it's energetic. It doesn't stop moving. And, uh, you know, it's good. The only real complaint that I'll have is there's a scene towards the end that involves a wedding. You see, like, a, a, a tiny bit of it in the trailer and everything. I I scratch my noggin going, why was this shot? Why is it here? It doesn't need to be there. I mean, Tiffany Haddish breaks, breaks the fourth wall, looks straight into the audience and goes, y'all don't leave yet. We got another part of this movie to go or something along those lines. It's pretty jarring. And then they show a scene that really has nothing to do with the movie. I mean, it's got very tangentially something to do with the movie, but uh, it doesn't need to be there. There's no reason for it to be there. And it takes place during a wedding, and there's so many people in this scene. There's so many different camera shots and stuff. It really makes me scratch my head going, why did they, you know they wasted minimum one day on this shoot. 
One day, they added another day to their shoot for something that lasts maybe two minutes that is not that funny that could have been left out and no one would have said it, said, said it. No one would have said a word. And that's the only thing that I can really scratch my head on going, like, he must have really liked this scene. And I don't see a reason for him to like it because it's not all that good. Uh, but overall... I surprisingly will recommend Nobody's Fool. I Again, I don't know why I recommend it, <laughs> but it's good. It's got enough laughs in it. It's got enough slight little bit of heart in it, despite the fact that most of the people in it depend... You really... There's nobody that's a very good person in this movie. I think that's ultimately... Maybe, maybe the Omari Hardwick character, maybe he's kind of an okay guy. Uh... But most of the people, most of the leads are, are not the best of people. <laughs> and so it's a little hard to kind of cheer for them uh, because you're just like, oh, well, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But overall, I would recommend Nobody's Fool. I don't think anyone needs to um, run out to the theater and see it per se. Uh, but again, I think Tyler Perry has, this sounds so stupid, I think Tyler Perry has a legitimate career in directing films that won't be, you know, considered quote-unquote Tyler Perry films, whatever you think the idea of a Tyler Perry film is in your head. Uh, I think... I think he's growing. I think he's going. Uh, I think he's. I think he's going places. That Tyler Perry, and that, that sounds a little facetious, and it, and it kind of is. But I think it totally works. In uh, you know, the man is carving out a place for himself in Atlanta. There, uh, and from what I hear, it's doing gangbusters. So, God bless you, Tyler Perry. Keep going. Uh, I think eventually we're going to get a really, really good film from Tyler Perry. It may not be anytime soon. Uh, but I think eventually we may get there. Maybe we just got to get Medea out of our belts. And honestly, Whoopi Goldberg's character could have easily been played by Medea, and thank Christ it was not. Uh, but it works, but it works well enough. Anyways, let's go on to uh, movie number two. Here is the trailer for Johnny English 3, Johnny English Strikes Again. I, I, I Look, there's you know how titles work. Here's the trailer. Where's a streetwise Hercules to fight the rising You're looking particularly beautiful tonight. You're looking particularly beautiful tonight. Ching. We have a problem. Good. The identities of our serving agents have been exposed. The country is in a state of complete chaos. And the universe sends me you. Sir! Yes, all right, Buff. We're going on a mission, not a honeymoon. Yes, of course. Ah, um... Destination? South of France, sir. Arm the missile. They're just cyclists, sir. They're French cyclists, Buff. And they're obstructing Her Majesty's Secret Service. She's the key to this case. I'm not sure I've ever met a man quite like you. Let me clear up the uncertainty for you. You haven't. 
virtual reality. It's completely immersive and some people lose track of their actual surroundings. I think we can pretty much guarantee that's not going to happen. Um... the agent you've got in the field is making some progress. Target acquired. This is a job for the shoebox inflator. Don't open it in the car! Can you reach your door, Hundle? Not, not really, sir. Magnetic boots. Brilliant, sir. No one must have the slightest clue we're here. Till we meet again. That was sooner than I expected. Alrighty, that was the trailer for Johnny English Strikes Again, second new release review INDB plotline after a cyber attack reveals the identity of all the active undercover agents in Britain. Johnny English is forced to come out of retirement to find the mastermind hacker. This is uh, directed by David Kerr, who you would not recognize anything he's done outside of English television. Uh, This is starring Rowan Atkinson, Ben Miller, Olga Kurlenko, and Emma Thompson. Uh, This is the, as I said, this is the third Johnny English movie. I saw the first one. Honestly, I did not see the second Johnny English movie. Uh, they don't tend to do super well here over in the States. And, um, I know why. It's just British humor, you know? And, um... This bad boy is sitting at a Metacritic score of 39 right now. IMDb of 6.6. Not sure what Rotten Tomatoes is off the top of my head, but... No one saw this film in America. (laughs) And that's kind of sad, because, look, it's, it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's not amazingly good. Uh, it's, it's... Let's see, it's box office, total gross is $3 million U.S., so I, I don't know what the budget of this thing is. I don't know what it's done overseas. Uh, but here's the thing, man. I am a fan of Rowan Atkinson. I have, uh, uh, If you were anything like me back in the uh, 90s and stuff, you really enjoyed some Mr. Bean on PBS. Uh, I became a huge Mr. Bean fan. That is something that I just, I taped tons of episodes on VHS and just would watch them back all the time. Uh, just something about the great, um, just silent acting, really. And that was, to me, that was one of the great parts about him. It's just, Rowan Atkins is such a great physical comedian. Uh, everything from, you know, obviously the stupid pratfalls and weird other things like that. But more... The fact that uh, his face says a thousand words in everything that he does. And he's just great. And uh, as an older guy here in this Johnny English character, I I like it. Uh, Obviously, we get dialogue from him, so that uh, obviously helps things. And the good part is is that with Rowan Atkinson, he hasn't just solely been playing Mr. Bean throughout his entire career. The man has had many a a job where they allowed him to talk. And uh, and he's got great comedic timing, as, as I think that even if you were just that physical comedian, you would probably still have to have pretty good uh, comedic timing uh, you know, just on account of, you know, getting to hitting your spots and all that kind of things in the in the right manner, uh, for things like Mr. Bean, uh, so my guess is he probably had some good timing going in, 
Uh, but here's the deal. This movie is forgettable. It's not very, it's not amazing. This is not a movie that anyone, I think, outside of people that are huge Rowan Atkinson fans or huge, or, you know, or even moderately sized fans of the uh, Johnny English uh, film and everything. As as the, I kind of said, the IMDb plot line there, they start out and like everybody's been hacked. They uh, <laughs> And all the agents' names are out. And of course, they've got to go to the only agent uh, who has not been outed. Uh, well, technically, uh, technically, that's not true. They go to a whole bunch of, uh, you know, old retirees and stuff like that. And of the retirees, uh, Rowan Atkinson is the, uh, he's the youngest one. <laughs> but they've got all these old cats in there and they're like, we're going to reinstate you guys to try to go and, uh, and fight these guys who've got the, you know, the past, the, the, the names and all that kind of shit. Um, and of course, as, as you would might imagine, uh, Johnny English decides to, well, he doesn't decide. He just, uh, you know, we'll say inadvertently decide to, uh, you know, single himself out as you, if you will I won't ruin it uh but eventually he ends up being the only guy in there uh but he's he's actually a retired well he's he's retired from uh doing the spy stuff and he's actually teaching in a uh what looks like a little prep school it may just be a regular school in England I don't know how you fuckers do stuff but uh He's teaching at the school and everything, and of course, he's also teaching all these kids all the spy shit that he used to do, <laughs> which is great, to, from camouflage to all this other kind of cool stuff, uh, and the kids love it. They, they love, it's, it's the most fun thing that they do. Obviously, they love this teacher, and, and honestly, I think he really loves teaching and stuff too, which is kind of what makes, again, he's a little bit bumbling and whatever, but... There's a heart behind the Johnny English character that I think that you may automatically get with Rowan Atkinson being in the role, uh, but you do like the guy. And honestly, he comes by everything that he wants to do and do well. His heart's in the right place. His his head may not necessarily always be in the right place, but his heart's always in the right place trying to do the right thing. Uh, Emma Thompson in this thing is just, she's, she's not like, it's not a huge role, but it's always great seeing her and stuff. I just, a big fan. I think she should get more roles. Uh, but it's funny. This movie's funny. It, it's not amazing. Uh, the, the, it, the plot and everything has not stayed with me over the last couple of days. Cause I saw this when it, uh, first came out, uh, what, like last week and it, it, it hasn't stayed with me. I'm going to be completely honest with you, but it's okay. It's okay. It's not a terrible movie. It's fine enough. Uh, but again, I don't think unless you're like a huge Rowan Atkinson fan or a huge Johnny English fan, uh, there there may not be a whole bunch that you like in this. But that Karolinko lady, boom, she is attractive. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but let's keep going on this. I don't think we need to have too much more talking about this one. Let's jump into the trailer for Bohemian Rhapsody. Not everyone is a star, Freddie. What are you afraid of? You can't get anywhere pretending to be someone you're not. But you regret it. No one will play queen. I didn't know his fancy dress for it. You look like an angry lizard. You've got to make an impression, darling. So, tell me, what makes Queen any different from all of the other wannabe rock stars I meet? I'll tell you what it is, Mr. Reed. We're four misfits who don't belong together. They're playing for other misfits. They're the outcasts right at the back of the room. We're pretty sure they don't belong either. 
We belong to them. So now the family name's not good enough for you. I've changed it legally. You're not looking back. We want to do something different. It's my money. I say, what goes? We can't simply repeat ourselves. No. We can do better. Freddie, could you tell us about the rumours concerning your sexuality? Queen, how long can that last? You don't make decisions for the band. Your life is going to be very difficult. My family. We believe in each other. That's everything. We're going to do great things. It's an experience. Love. Tragedy. Joy. It's something that people will feel belongs to them. Alrighty, that was the trailer for Bohemian Rhapsody. What is this, number three? <laughs> Already losing count. IMDb plotline uh, couldn't get more simple than this. A chronicle of the years leading up to Queen's legendary appearance at the Live Aid in 1985 concert. Uh, this is uh, directed by Brian Singer, written by Anthony McCartan, Peter Morgan. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Those <laughs> uh, Starring Rami Malek, Lucy Boyton. Boyton? Sure. Uh, Gillum Lee, Ben Hardy, Joseph Mazer, uh, Mazzello, who uh, you probably uh, only really recognize as Tim from Jurassic Park. I didn't know that was the kid from Jurassic It's the kid from Jurassic Park. Shut up. Uh, and oddly, I-, I saw his name in the thing, and I didn't really get it until later. And, and I can't believe that And once you see it, you'll never be able to unsee it. Mike Myers. <laughs> Mike Myers in a role that I didn't recognize him in in the trailers. I can't believe that I that I didn't, uh, but I didn't. Okay, let's get down to it. Um, I think I need to start with my relationship with Queen. I like Queen. I'm not a huge Queen fan. Um, not gigantic. I mean, I don't dislike them, but there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I love all the hits, you know. Uh, nothing wrong with those. I think Freddie Mercury was an uh, undeniable talent. Uh, under pressure, as as you heard in the trailer, there one of my favorite songs. Um, this movie, okay, I think we need to talk about a bit about the actual history of this movie and where it kind of came, excuse me, came from and everything, and the struggles that this movie has had in the last couple of bits. Um, first and foremost, this movie was initially going to uh, star Sasha Baron Cohen. Who most people know uh, from, uh, you know, Bo Rat and whatnot, as uh, as as Freddie Mercury. This seemed to be something that he wanted to do for a very long time. But uh, I'm going to read a couple of trivia things here. Uh, you know, these are all submitted by people, by the by. These are never really things that other people put in there. Uh, but uh, there are things other people put in there, not the studios themselves, because the studios would never come to this stuff. Uh, so some of it, most of it's true from from my understanding, my readings of things in the past, uh, but. If there are some little discrepancies in here, do keep in mind. 
uh, IMDb, 100% correct in everything they say and or do. Uh, so Sasha Baron Cohen was the original choice to play Freddie Mercury with Stephen Frears to direct. He left the project due to creative differences with the band's guitarist Brian May and drummer Roger Taylor, who have control over the music and film rights. The deal with Baron Cohen fell apart after May voiced uh, voiced upset. That's that's not how you write that. Uh, voiced upset after finding that the project would only be a biopic of Mercury and not the rest of Queen. Uh, May felt that it should focus on other members and the aftermath of Mercury's death, and they didn't want the original draft uh, written by Stephen uh, J. Reveal, Revel and Christopher Wilkinson, which was con- uh, considered by Baron Cohen to be a historically accurate, outrageous portrayal of Mercury that does not s- shy away from the edges of the story of his well-documented homosexual encounters and promiscuity. May was very negative about Baron Cohen, who he felt was too much of a comedic actor to do a Mercury dramatic justice. Uh, to which I would say, Brian May, you're wrong. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen can act. He is a good actor. Uh, you were wildly incorrect on that. Uh, and and that was one of the bones of contention that, that I heard about when this thing was going on, was that they just did not necessarily want to show a warts and all kind of thing. And if you really look back, on some of the more successful uh, biopics over the last couple of years, specifically even music biopics, uh, those tend to do better, in my opinion, when we start to see those warts, when we start to see these people. But And it's really, sometimes it's a problem with people who are gone because we like to think of them in the best light possible. But that's not necessarily always the case. I mean, sometimes uh, there are, look, Steve Jobs, for example, uh, there were some t- a lot of times where Steve Jobs was an absolutely horrible human being. Uh, but it also goes to the fact that sometimes, it, and, and you can look back in history and this seems to uh, repeat itself over and over again, whether by nature or by the fact that they've uh, you know just glommed onto the idea for themselves uh, and go, hey, this is an excuse. Uh, but a lot of like people that are really smart or really talented or really you know honed in on something tend to lack a lot of the other you know niceties that make human beings well good human beings. And I from 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 my little from my slight readings, Freddie Mercury was uh, not really much of a uh, what do you what do you call it. Brain's not working today. He's not an exemption from that. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. He's not exempt uh, from that over the top. Now, I will say this. Uh, this movie does tend to... It treats Freddy a little bit... Um, they, they, they treat him a little bit fairer than I thought they would. There's a little... There's not... It's. I wouldn't say this is a warts and all film, but it's a warts film. <laughs> you know? It's got a little bit of warts in there. We do see some of the flaws in his character. And the funny part is, is I think a lot of this movie will show a lot of flaws in Freddie Mercury that I am sad that I don't think a lot of people will realize are absolute horrible things that a human being does. And they're look, they're, some people will look at this movie and go, that's acceptable behavior. That's okay. No, it is not. It is not. Freddie Mercury in this movie... Uh, I, and I swear to God, I think it's played for like, hey, he's just an eccentric guy, or like, hey, that's just what he does, man. He's kind of a douche, like, all the fucking time. Uh, I don't watch this going like, wow, Freddie Mercury was somebody, boy. 
I go, and, and that's the thing, and, and I, I haven't talked to a lot of other people who've seen this film, so please, if you have seen the film, if you have uh, opinions on this or anything else that we do around here, thefilmfind at gmail.com. But to me, one of the biggest things of this is, like, I, I, I hated I hated his character. Uh, he he doesn't, like, he, he hates his family, essentially. Uh, he comes, actually, from a Middle Eastern background, which I don't think a lot of people, you know, knew. You look at him and you go, like, Looks kind of like a white guy, but maybe not a hundred percent. Maybe he's Jewish. Maybe something. I don't really, uh, you know. So he gets he gets called Pakistani uh, quite an awful lot in this film, uh, which I thought was like again calling somebody a Paki. It was uh, that's what they you know that's what he would have been called back then. So it makes sense. Um, Ron Knox pretty good, but there are some things in here. Now I get it. I I, I get it. Freddie Mercury didn't have great teeth. Okay, uh, and and they, they they have a little fun at it, but at the same time too, there is a um, there's a line, there's a line that you can draw. And Freddie Mercury's teeth were actually in, in a way, because you see some footage of him uh, towards the end of the film when they're doing the credits and everything. They show some real you know live archival footage and whatnot. His teeth are actually worse than what we see in Robbie Malik, but. The fact of the matter is, there are some moments in this where you are just fucking laughing at his at, at his fucking face, and not just because it's just like, oh, it looks a little funny and weird, which it does. But Freddie Mercury looks a little bit funny, a little bit weird, and that's okay. We're all a little bit strange. I know I fucking look weird in a lot of ways, uh, but. You combine that look with some of the looks Rami Malek had on his face, and I'm just like, how could we not be laughing at this right now? How is no one else laughing at the fact that he looks like this and is looking into the lens like, I don't know. It's horrid. <laughs> it's not good. But I don't know. It, it's just, mm. the fact is that this movie, let's take all that aside. This movie uh, was kind of a disaster going in. Brian Singer um, directed this movie. And Brian Singer, I don't know. Here's the deal. We all know a lot of the bad stuff about Brian Singer. Brian Singer's got some skeletons in the closet. Skeletons that we all kind of know about now. But for some reason, I don't know who he's got dirt on, but he's got dirt on somebody. Uh, because this cat keeps getting work. And I'm I'm really kind of scratching my noggin as to, as to why it is. Somebody... Please give me an idea, because I certainly don't know. Uh, he's kind of been just a horrible human being offset, and especially during this movie, he sounds like he was kind of an awful human being on this set. I uh, really had a lot of problems with uh, with Rami Malek. I think somebody like I read a report that he threw something at, at him at some point, and you know, the guy who's a star of your movie is just like this fucking director is just not working. He's coming in late. He's you know he's erratic as shit, and uh, Brian Singer didn't direct half of this film he got kicked off i don't remember who actually jumped in for the uh for the other portion of this thing not that i think it really matters one way or the other because ultimately when you look at this movie it is just a uh it, it's a music video <laughs> it's a music video with some story elements that are put into it and it, it's okay it's not great if you love Queen music, you'll you'll get it. I don't know what they did for the vocals, but uh, apparently there was some of of Malik's voice in there 
there's obviously some of Freddie Mercury's and there was somebody else's that they kind of, uh, you know, they kind of went in and really massaged everybody. And I thought that was really good. I was shocked at how, how good everything sounded because obviously, you know, Freddie Mercury's got a very distinctive voice, very difficult to, uh, you know, to replicate something like that or something like Elton John. Uh, there are some people that have very specific, distinct kind of voices that are difficult to, uh, to replicate. Uh, but they do a great job with with taking those three elements and mixing them up kind of what I would call the special effects in Jurassic Park style to where it's like, hey, here's some CG, here's some animatronic, here's some, you know, puppets. Uh, so they do a little bit of everything in there to really meld it all and make that sound work. And honestly, that was one of my biggest uh, fears going into this thing was that either A, we're going to have Rami Malek sing all the stuff, which I, you know, I don't know from nothing, but my guess is probably can't do it. Uh, or B, it's just all so very much just from, you know, audio recordings and things like that. And it's not necessarily. So like I said, they took three elements, put them together, and I thought made a pretty flawless, uh, representation of, of, of the Freddie Mercury voice, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, it, it glosses over some things there. You did hear the Under Pressure song in the trailer. Uh, none of that Bowie stuff. None of it's, uh, you know, met up. The, uh, the end is the Live Aid concert that, that took place and everything. It's done really well. But again, I, you know, I don't get that feeling, okay? You don't get the feeling in this movie that you got in a far better movie called A Star is Born that came out a couple weeks ago, which I reviewed. Um... There are moments in A Star is Born, when when she walks out on that stage, what is it? Clearly a real live stage, not a blue screen, because they did this for real, came out there, and that feeling, having been, having, you know, been on stage and performed to people, I think a couple hundred is as much as I've ever kind of performed to, uh, but that feeling, they, that, they got that feeling so good in A Star is Born. Because when you're walking out there, it is just like, it is everything. You, you're, 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 the hairs on your arms are sticking up, and you are just like, oh my God, I am in this. You never feel in this in Bohemian Rhapsody. It's still, it feels detached. It feels a little cold. Um, and again, I'm going to go back real quick. I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. But the Freddie Mercury character, again, I really, I don't have any sympathies for this guy. He's kind of a douchebag. He's kind of a dick and lives his entire life that way. You know, uh, basically, he decides at some point, he says, oh, no, I'm I'm bisexual. It turns out I'm bisexual, honey. That's why, you know, I don't really want much to do with you. I, I, I'd like to be with men. And she just basically goes, look, I, I pretty much always kind of knew you were gay. And uh, she she says she he's he's gay. He goes into the like, no, I'm bisexual. And his bisexual stuff, honestly, when you look at what he's doing, ultimately is making sure that you know he just gets his needs fulfilled. He doesn't he doesn't care about her so much as he cares about himself, about how much he cares about his own ego being brushed. Uh, I I also think that for uh, a certain extent. Uh, a woman is also a stand-in for his mother, who w- clearly was not, you know, the most supportive of everything that he did. Uh, father as well, but uh, everything that he does in- involving involving his, uh, you know, 
can we call her estranged wife? Is kind of douchey. I like you just want to scream at just let this poor woman go. Just let her go. And I you know, some people might just go like, "Oh, he but he really loved her." I don't think so. And that's not how this that at least I'll put it to you this way. That's not how this movie makes it seem to me. This movie to me makes it seem like he wants to have his cake and eat it too. And uh again, I think that really goes to show the narcissism of, of him. Um they 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 obviously they deal into the to, to the gay stuff and the, and the AIDS stuff as that was a very burgeoning thing uh at the time in the 80s when all that kind of jazz came out and everything. Um they, it's it's done okay. It's not not amazing. Um I I don't think they probably make him out as promiscuous as he probably was from reports that I've read over the years of like how he was just a you know, wham, bam, thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, I don't know. How, I don't know what that rhyme is. I sh- I should come up with that rhyme. <laughs> uh, here, there, here, there, thank you, sir. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> fucking stupid. Uh, but here's the thing: the movie's not great. The movie's not great. I would only recommend this for people that super love Queen. Um, it's a standard biopic in it, and they do a lot of the cliche, stupid shit that it feels like they should have really weaned out when we did uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Which, by the way, if you haven't fucking seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, get your ass to wherever you need to go and watch that movie because it's great. Um, but it shows in that movie, it showed a lot of the stupid, cliche shit that we always see in biopics. And uh, this goes into that same sort of deal. Um, I don't hate this movie, but I certainly don't love it. I don't think Rami Malek needs to get any sort of Oscars. I think it's just an okay flick that if you want to have some Queen stuff, if you want to have like a a, a Queenie day, if you will, (laughs) go ahead and put this on in the background. Uh, But... Meh. Overall, overall, it's a giant meh for me. So I don't, I don't much, I don't, I don't much care for that. Uh, let's go ahead uh, with that. So I, I say skip it. Here is the um, trailer for the next new release review uh, for 2018's Suspiria. At the beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance. Sleep. She wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. She can see me. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. Maso tenebrarum, maso lacrimarum, und 
Mother Suspiriorum. Darkness, tears, <laughs> and sighs. You're making some kind of deal with them. That was the trailer for Suspiria 2018, IMDb plotline. A darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company, one that will engulf the artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmare. Others will finally wake up. This is uh, directed by Luca Gia... Gudagino? Gudagino. That sounds good. Uh, starring Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton, uh, many more people whose names I cannot pronounce. Oh, glo- 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 <laughs> Jesus Christ. Chloe Grace Moretz, who I did not even recognize in this film. And uh, from the original film, uh, Jessica Harper. Um, so I actually got a chance, and I didn't get to talk about this in 31 Days of Halloween Horror because I actually saw it on November 1st, but I did get a chance to see Suspiria, uh, the original from what, uh, 77. Uh, so I got to see that on the big screen, uh, just before this one. And, uh, I had seen Suspiria previously, and, uh, here, uh, thefilmfinder.gmail.com. I did not actually like uh, the original Suspiria the first time I saw it. No, it can't be. It is. Um, and when I watched it the second time I, on the big screen, I liked it more. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, hey, you're in a theater. You can't go anywhere. This is what is occupying your phone. Is my, I turned my phone literally off, not, not, just, not just down to vibrate or not just down to turn off the ring. Motherfucking off, and you all should do that. Off, off, off. And uh, so I could, I could give, I could give my attention to the screen one thousand percent, and um, I liked it more this time. Did I understand anything the second time around with the original Suspiria? No, no, I don't. I don't understand the the. <laughs> I don't understand the flick. I get it. Uh, for me, it's more of a wild art piece that we're seeing come to life. It's Dario Argento slightly masturbating on the screen. Uh, just kind of, mm, it is what it is. And uh, But I will say this, the real standout obviously is going to be the tr- the um, the goblin music and everything. So I, I want to play just like a hot second of that to just show you how good that soundtrack is. It's useless to try to explain it to you. You we, understand. This is from the original trailer. So that music is so iconic. And uh, he does a lot of really great things with visuals in that flick. I mean, uh, again, from colors to uh, the sound. 
I liked it a lot more the second time. Again, I don't think I'm in love with that film, uh, but I think it's going to be one of those that I will eventually now, now I will say this, and I think Snap Fact, Shout Factory, somebody like that, may have put out like a, a special edition of Suspiria just recently. I'm going to pick that up and continue to sort of rewatch this thing on a basis, on a, on a, on a somewhat regular basis, and maybe get more out of it each time that I do. Uh, but that's kind of, that's where I stand with the original Suspiria. For those of you that don't know, I think it's an, I, I think it's a beautiful looking movie. I think it is an over the top movie. I think the soundtrack is, is, is amazingly good in it. Do I know anything that truly goes on in that flick? Fuck to the no, I don't. Uh, and, and guess what everybody with the new Suspiria, it's all the same again. What is old is now new again. Uh, Here's the thing. With the, this new Suspiria, there is only the skeletal remains of the original Suspiria in this movie. In as much as there's a dance company, uh, there's there's a uh, there's a dancer that comes in. She has the the same name as the uh, the original one. There. What's the name of the fucking character? What's the name of the character? Susie. It's spelled differently in this one than it is in the other one, but played by Dakota Johnson. And Dakota Johnson, I gotta say, another one that is like, man, oh man, God bless her. She had to go through those fucking horrible Fifty Shades of Grey movies, but she's a good actress, man. I, I'm liking her in, in just about everything that I see, so I'm really digging her. Uh, Bad Times at El Royale, she was great in that. Uh, she's really good in this movie, and uh, I... I, I Social network, she's in there for a hot second. <laughs> but the problem, the sad part is, is that she just got like, she got typecast into those like shitty Fifty Shades films and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, while I can't suggest that stuff, she's she's great. And uh, I don't know if, how much of this is her dancing, but man, if, if most of that's her, bravo. Dancing in this thing is fantastic. Uh, Tilda Swinton is uh, is crazy. She actually plays uh, dual roles in this. You'll figure it out eventually when you watch it. I think took me a hot second, but you know, and I didn't even know that. But I, I actually, I think I may have like tangentially heard us as like, oh, she plays two characters, and then I put it together because the other one's undercover, as as it were. Um, not not for any particular reason, so much as it just wants to be that. Um, but this movie is a lot like the other Suspiria in as much as the first time I watch it, I don't know what the fuck this movie is about. I have no clue. It is all over the place. Uh, but I will say this, it has a lot in common with the original Suspiria in as much as it looks gorgeous. This movie is very, very cool looking. Um, you're watching it to get an emotional feels. You're watching it to be taken on this weird odyssey and and just to try to find out where the fuck this thing ends. And I don't know that you know. And I certainly did not think that this movie was going to end up where it ended up. Uh, it goes nuts. It goes crazy. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of people out there who will fucking hate this movie. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of in-betweens. I think there's going to be people that are just like, oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And they'll go a little bit hyperbolic. They'll go a little over the top and just talk about how amazing it is. And it's good. It's very, very good. It's very, very competently made. But I think it's going to receive a lot more praise than it might deserve. Maybe. 
Uh, but there will be people that like down and out motherfucking hate this film. <laughs> and I, I can't say that I would blame them. Anyone that walks out of this that says, oh, I didn't like that. I get it. I understand. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you, but boy, oh boy, do I know why. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I, I don't understand most of the plot. But man, when it gets to that end and you're just like, what the fuck am I watching right now? It's totally worth it. Now, I remember when I bought my ticket, I remember seeing like online because I saw it like at the mall at 11 (laughs) a.m. Was it 11 a.m.? Was that the one? Yeah, I saw it at the mall at like 11 a.m. And there was like maybe two other seats that were sold. As the credits rolled... I didn't see anybody get up and walk away. But yet, when the lights came up in the theater after the credits, I turned around and looked, and there was nobody there. So either A, nobody showed up, which is possible, or B, they all walked out early, and I didn't even recognize (laughs) that they had left. Uh, But if someone walked out of this film, I could understand it. And uh, frankly, I'm glad we're not playing it at my theater because if we were, there would be walkouts. And people would be like, look, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I'm not paying for that. And, um, but that's cool. (laughs) I think we need films like that. Films that just make people uncomfortable, that make people kind of question things. And I'll say this, uh, I'll watch this movie again. Again, it's another one that's weird, that's crazy, that if you're willing to let yourself go... If you're willing to just kind of be brought in to this space, live here for like two and a half hours because it is long. Uh, but it never feels long to me, not to me at least. Uh, gosh, it's good. It's really good. It's really strange. The more I think about it, the more I like it, and the more that I can recommend that you go out and see this. And I would say, if you can't see it in the theater, I don't think it's playing in a ton of places. It's only playing in like two theaters here in town. And those are both AMCs, so you may want to look at AMCs. I don't know if they have a uh, specific window on this movie or anything, or if it just happened to be that Regals around here didn't get it. I don't know. But I would suggest that you uh, check this film out. Uh, Suspiria, man. Again, I, I don't know what I can tell you. I can't sit here and describe the plot. I can't tell you what exactly happens in it. Uh, I just know a lot of cool shit goes down, and it's going to be a movie that I continue to watch year after year, uh, trying to pick out all the things in it and figure out what the fuck is going on here. All right, this show has been going on for quite some time here. We're a little bit over an hour already, but don't worry. We're finally hitting the home stretch here. Here is the trailer for Jonah Hill's Mid-90s. Hey, hey, y'all not supposed to be around here. Get the fuck out. Hey, the little nigga with the Toys R Us badge, come 
can't say nigga, I don't think. Fucking Cheryl Crow looking motherfucker. This is awesome. I've never been in a car without someone's mom or dad before. You're so cute. Can we get the age before guys become dicks? You think you're pretty cool. You're ghetto-ass friends. You good? <laughs> you think you're tough and shit. You're just a little fucking kid. A lot of the time, we feel like our lives are the worst. But think if you looked at anybody else's closet, you wouldn't trade your shit for their shit. So let's go. That's why we ride a piece of wood and like wet that dust to somebody's spirit. That was the trailer for mid-90s last new release review of the week. IMDb plotline. Uh, boy, this is weird. Follows Stevie. That's just stupid. Follows Stevie, a 13-year-old in mid-90s era Los Angeles who spends his summer navigating between his troubled home life and a group of new friends that he meets at a Motor Avenue skate shop. This is written and directed by Jonah Hill, his... Uh, Debut here. Starring Sonny Sujek, uh, Catherine Waterston, Lucas Hedges, Nikhail Smith, Olin Perrent, per, uh, sure. Uh, Gio Galassia. Gar- I'm horrible with names and people. I like, listen, I got Portress as a last name. I get it. Uh, here's the thing, man. This movie is fucking great. <laughs> Uh, Jonah Hill has uh, has entertained us all for many and many years. I think most people like his super big day, de- super big hit debut. There was uh, was was super bad. I think that's when like he really became a household name, and uh, he's just been that funny guy. And uh, this has kind of been something that he's wanted to do for a long time. He's always kind of wanted to you know write and direct and stuff, uh, but took a a little bit of a sojourn out to acting for a while. And uh, I think that ultimately that has been a great thing because my guess is is Jonah Hill has had a lot of time to get around a lot of great directors and really uh, you know, kind of see what they're doing, see how they're working, and taking the best stuff from them. I mean, everybody from you know your Martin Scorsese's to your Coen brothers, uh, the guy has worked with just about everybody. Uh, so I'm really, uh, Quentin Tarantino even, uh, but dude, I, I've been a big fan of his and I did not know what to expect with this. When I saw that first trailer for mid nineties, first of all, the, the first thing that stood out to me more than anything is this movie is in the four, three aspect ratio. That's a regular square that you normally see, uh, you know, with your television that you had in the mid nineties. And uh, this film was shot in 16 millimeter. It is on film, and it looks gorgeous. It looks exactly like what it's supposed to. And um, I'll be honest with you, I've never, to me, this movie, 
is just depicts a time in such an amazing way that it really kind of blows me away. When I talk to people about this movie, because I, I grew up in this time, Jonah Hill's only two years younger than I am, so my guess is is we had a lot of somewhat similar experiences growing up. And I, and, and I say that because I tell people I was nothing like these kids, and I was everything like these kids. Um, I did not grow up in L.A. Um, I, I came from a lower middle class family. We had some lower class times, uh, you know. So, I, you know, I, while we've never been, you know, what I would call traditionally poor, we've been, we've been straddling that border sometimes when, when we were kids. Um, but I did, I skateboarded a whole bunch in, uh, really, it was really, my skateboarding stuff was actually, I'd always kind of skateboarded throughout whenever, since I was like maybe seven or eight, something like that. Uh, but we didn't really get into like, because we couldn't drive, <laughs> uh, we didn't really get into like skateboarding proper till we were like maybe 16, 17 and you could actually go to spots and we would, uh, we'd skateboard at schools, at, uh, empty bank parking lots, uh, behind, um, the Wind dixie <laughs> skating off the little, uh, loading dock ledge and everything, uh, like that. I actually got a, uh, sound violation ticket for, uh, jamming music too loud. Uh, while skateboarding, which was hilarious because he goes, there are people down in the neighborhood down down the road that can hear this and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, and, and like a couple of years later, I would live in that apartment complex and I was like, there's no fucking way they could hear that. It's impossible. I really would have fought that. I should have fought it and should have won because it was like, there's no way because the, 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 the dixie at that point, I don't know if it had been abandoned. I don't know if they'd shut down at that point or not. I feel like they did. But there was no way they fucking heard that. Should have, should have fought that. Should have fought and won. But while watching mid '90s, this felt so much like what we did it, it back in the day. Uh, the cool part is, is that you know, there's no cell phones. There's nothing like that. You're calling people on telephones. You're just trying to meet up. You don't know when things are going on. Uh, now, I don't have the experience of having the older brother like. Um, like Jonah Hill did in this movie, and I'll say this by by looking at all the things. Uh, this is not a uh, this is not a biopic. This is not a Jonah Hill biopic, everybody. <laughs> but you can definitely tell by looking at this movie that a lot of these events happened to Jonah Hill's life, and you want to know why? Because many of them are embarrassing. Because many of them are not things that you want other people to know about. And Quentin Tarantino said. Um, when you give someone a script, you should almost be embarrassed by what's in it because it's so personal, because you're revealing part of yourself. Uh, and when someone reads that, they should be able to just read all the vulnerability into it and because that's you, because you've put you on the page. Now, these characters may not be you. These characters may have nothing to do with you, but... There is something in there where people that people that would know you would just go, "Wow, this this is you, this is really you," and I felt that within the mid '90s, this really was Jonah Hill. I think that uh, I I can see his personality in in all the characters in in one way, shape, or form. But um, it, this fucking movie is good. A lot of people, I think, the main complaint that I've heard from some people is that it's just like. 
there's no real story to it. There's not a super big arc for anything. There's not a your traditional protagonist, antagonist. Uh, there's just a young kid who is looking for friends who wants a place to belong. He looks up to his big brother who, you know, he he loves his brother's like taste in music and in video games and all this other kind of cool stuff. And it's just like there's somebody that he absolutely looks up to and kind of has a worship of, but who also fucking hates his guts. And I, I can't tell you how that is. I, I don't know. I was the older brother and my, my little brother and I, uh, we're only like two years apart, and and I think that's one of the big differences with this is his brother is much older than he is, so I think that's also what creates a little bit of a schism. So I think that's another reason why I can't really relate to it is because my brother and I, like I, I had a when my brother was born, I had a built-in friend for life. Uh, so while we always had our we had our skirmishes, we've had our fights. Uh, you know, they were few and far between, and they didn't really, you know, they were big. <laughs> they, they got to big levels, but then they leveled off rather fast. Uh, so I, I'm not, I, I don't know, I don't know that world, but I know people, here's the thing. When, when I talk about this movie, I go, I didn't know people, I, I don't, I, I wasn't this person, but I certainly know people that were like this. I knew people that were, I think we all knew people that were poorer than we were, who had things worse, who had a brother that beat up on them, who had uh, friends who uh, were products of uh, single parent households where where respect for your parent just doesn't fucking exist um i don't know i don't know i'd really like to there's again there's not a lot of way to to talk about this movie because it's an experience this is a hang flick you're hanging out with these kids you're trying to uh you know, you want to see Stevie get into a group because he doesn't have anywhere to go. No one likes him. He doesn't have a lot of friends and stuff and, and finds these friends via skateboarding. And that becomes their thing. They're hanging out and uh, you learn about. And of course, these kids are all older than he is. And I tend to be like where I was again. I was like two years older than Jonah Hill. So if we're putting this in the mid 90s, I was around, you know, 12, 13 years old. So I'm a little bit more like the older kids age and less like the younger kids age. Um, but again, I, we all know how this feels. We all know what, what it is to try to, I don't want to say infiltrate cause that makes it sound like it's nefarious, but to be able to fit in with a particular group, to find your people, to find out, you know, not just like, oh, this is cool, but you know, to, to find people that are, you know, your actual fucking friends. And then how sometimes... If you have bad friends, those can lead to bad things. <laughs> uh, and while I was never this kid, I saw plenty of kids that were doing exactly what this kid was doing. Who was smoking? Who was drinking? Who was doing just a lot of like, you know, and, and that's the thing. I, and I've got no problem with smoking and drinking. I got a problem with 11-year-old smoking and drinking because that's a little fucked up. Uh, but I had friends that were like this, that were just like this kid. There is an... It's a weird psychological thing. And there's a scene where Stevie is like, they go to this big giant skate jam thing or whatever, which is kind of cool seeing all, all that and everything. Uh, but there's a scene where in the bathroom by himself, Stevie is just chugging a 40. He's not there to impress anybody. He's not doing, like, this is, this is him. It's kind of become who he is or who he thinks he should be. And uh, I knew people like that, man. I mean, I had a buddy in high school who uh, 
you know, you would take, we, we would do, they do blood drives, right? And he, he would go, he donated blood and, and then drank a shitload, probably drank a 40. I don't, I can't remember exactly what he drank, but then he drank a lot because obviously when, you know, your, your blood is low from, from having given blood or whatever, I don't know all the science about it, but you get drunk fucking fast. So, uh, he got fucking, he gave blood, got fucking hammered and then, uh, went to go take a piss, passed out mid piss. And then like a female, like uh principal had to like come get him, put his dick back in his pants <laughs> and stand him up and sit him home. And they were like, Oh look, he, uh, he had a problem with the, uh, what, what do you call it there? Uh, uh, just lightheadedness from giving blood. And not, not due to the fact that he was also drinking. But, again, I, this is a world that I'm kind of familiar with. I know these kids. I know all about these types of kids. and uh, But yet, I was not one of these kids, and I didn't know specifically these kids. I don't know what it was like to be there in L.A. But I do know what it's like to have a couple of friends, uh, you know, one friend that's super talented and has his eye on, you know, going getting out of here, doing bigger, doing better, and then another that just goes, I mean, I don't need all that shit. Why Why would I, you know, I can be, you know, a, uh, a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Uh, but this movie resonates with me. It's, uh, again, I and, and I've talked with a couple other people, not a ton, but I've talked with some people, and I really want to know what it's like for people that didn't live through this time. So I work with a lot of kids that, a lot of kids, <laughs> they're fucking 10 years younger than me, uh, but with, with some with some folks that are in their, like, you know, kind of early to mid-20s and stuff like that, and uh, people are like, well, what, what do you think about this? I go, I loved it. I don't know what you're going to think, because you didn't live through this, and I don't know if any of these experiences will speak to you at all. Now, we had, like, now, and this is a good uh, double feature with uh with with eighth grade, uh, which which I also like this year, but um, I, I think with eighth grade it's obviously because it's set in more modern day. The kids go like, oh, I totally get that. For me, it was like one of those things of like, wow, more things change, the more things also stay the same. Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case here for people because I, while things have changed, certainly I'm sure things some things have not. But I I don't live in that you know. I didn't grow up in the in in the two thousands. I grew up in the in the nineties mostly, and and you know some of the eighties. Because I was born in eighty two, so I was around for the majority of the eighties. I remember them pretty well. Uh, but man, oh man, I love this movie. I, I think it's fantastic. I can't believe. Uh, I I almost say I can't believe, but man, oh man, Jonah Hill from knocking it out from movie number one. It feels like this is something that he wanted to do for a long time, from what I understand from the interviews and things that I've heard. But at the same time, too, I think we are immensely, uh, we should be immensely thankful that he had this long acting career. So I think that he picked up enough things from the great directors that he's worked with to the fact that uh, he's made a really great film. And and I don't know if he's going to do another. And I, I, I hope he does. I hope he does, but man, to make something that's this good, this personal, um, I, th- I think it'd be fucking stupid, absolutely stupid, if he doesn't at least get a nomination for best director. 
I think he really will. I don't know about screenplay because screenplay is, mm, but um, but directing, I would not be shocked if he got if if he got a nomination. I I think he should. And but man, I'll tell you this, guys, we're we're rounding up 2018, and I I've seen a fucking ton of films this year. I mean, we reviewed five on this episode alone, and they've been really good. This this year has been a pretty good year for movies. Maybe not the most spectacular, but. The stuff that is there, the stuff that's really good, is really fucking good. And uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see where things go. I'm excited to figure out exactly, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what this show is, where I'm going. I don't know. I'm in a very interesting, weird headspace right now. But uh, I'm so glad that you guys can come along and really enjoy this with me. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, that, that's a recommendation. That's a giant recommendation. Mid-90s. It's probably not going to be in theaters too much longer. Go see it. 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 Please stop everything you're doing right now. And I want you to see Mid-90s and Suspiria right now. Because frankly... Those are the two most important films out right now, and you need to go fucking see them. And I'll be talking about more when those things come out, because you know what we do, man? We talk about movies on this show. Some people talk about movies. Other people talk about movies. I'm stealing Justin Robert Young's bit. Uh, But no, uh, I'll have some more people on later. I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. I don't know what next week's going to be. It's going to be more movies. It's going to be more stuff. We're going to be doing more Film Find Fives. We're going to have more of these things in here. But I do want to say thank you to everybody that supports this show at patreon.com slash the film find. Uh, you guys are fucking awesome, man. And I really appreciate you guys. Uh, and I hope you like this show. I hope you will, can suffer through these, you know, hour and a half long shows with just my stupid fucking head in here doing what I do. But, uh... That's it, everybody. Um, we'll talk to you next week, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited for where things are going, and honestly, podcasting is one of my favorite things in the world to do. And as you know, I can talk for an hour with an hour and a half with, with nothing but my dumb face, and hopefully you've listened this far. If not, you know, it's all good. We don't like those people anyways. Uh, so that's it, everybody. I'll see you guys next week. 